0: joined by Carla Grant, executive producer of Living Black, Australia's longest-running Indigenous current affairs program. Carla Grant is joining us ahead of guest presenting special episodes of SBS's flagship current affairs program's Inside and Deadline that will simulcast on SBS and NITV later tonight at 9.30 p.m. In this program, Carla travels to Norway on a deeply personal journey to understand how the Sami People's Indigenous Parliament in Norway has worked over the past three decades. This program airs as Australia is preparing to vote in a referendum on Indigenous Voice to Parliament on October 14, 2023. In this context, SBS and NITV are continuing to provide multi-platform and multilingual news and information across the networks. First of all, Carla, thanks for joining us on NITV Radio.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me, Bertrand.
0: Now, can you tell us about the Sami peoples and uh, their lived experience uh, under colonisation and similarities with uh, Australia's First Nations people?
1: Yeah, the Sami people are the indigenous people of the Sami region, which uh, spans across northern parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland and into Russia. There's about eighty to hundred thousand uh, Sami people across that area. They have a very similar history to First Nations people here in Australia—a history of, you know, colonisation of dispossession. Um, they weren't able to speak their language or practice their culture or even wear their traditional dress. And, and many Sami people I spoke to while I was in Norway said that. Um, you know uh, thousands of years ago um, or hundreds of years ago even um it was better to be under norway's rule rather than um to be a sami person because if you were sami you had no rights at all you lost your, you know, you weren't able to speak your language, practice culture, wear your traditional dress, you had no rights at all, um, and you lost everything. So it was much easier to be uh, a Norwegian than to be a Sami. But, you know, uh, fast forward to present day, uh, the Sami people have come a long way. They, as you said in your intro, um, they have their own parliament, um, which was established 34 years ago now. Um, it was done by legislation. Not, It's not enshrined in their constitution. And um, that was yeah, in 87, the Sami Act. And then it, uh, they started the business of the parliament in 1989. So uh, it's been going since then.
0: They've made an outstanding progress there. Indigenous peoples of Norway have their own parliament. Uh, whereas uh, back home here we are barely talking about uh, voting on an indigenous voice to parliament, uh, we're not yet there and uh, the debates are heated, whereas the Norwegians have made a really tremendous progress.
1: Exactly, yes. It's an actual, their own parliament, they actually have their own parliamentary building, which is in Karashock, a town in uh, Norway. It's been going for over three decades now. Um, they have some had some very good success with um, the parliament over the years in, in terms of uh, revitalising their Sami language and culture and uh, the power to dictate what the Sami curriculum is for Sami students. They also have their own funding, which is something uh, It's a different proposal to what we're looking at here. They actually have funding for various projects and we actually visited a a kindergarten where a Sami kindergarten teacher is uh, teaching the Sami language to kindy kids, which is really great to see because, you know, uh, this uh, Sami kindergarten teacher saw the need for more language speakers. Uh, His daughter actually attends that kindergarten. He felt really sad that, you know, there weren't many language speakers around, so he actually retrained. He was a former bodybuilder and security guard, and now he's retrained thanks to... um, funds from the Sámi Parliament to be able to retrain and then uh, teach the Sámi language. So they've had huge success in that area.
0: A big bodyguard, a big bodyguard teaching little kids that uh, (laughs) 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 this has parallels with the situation uh, back in Australia where First Nations people weren't allowed to speak their language but the Sámi people have made uh, quite an achievement Uh, now they're able to teach their language in uh, kindergarten Uh, quite an achievement there.
1: Yes, it is a huge achievement, you know, considering uh, where, you know, the the situation or the position that Sami people were in, you know, hundreds of years ago, where they couldn't even speak their language or culture, you know, practice their culture and wear traditional dress. uh, Now they can proudly, you know... Uh, speak their language and they have a, actually attended a festival called the Riddu Ridu Festival uh, which is a celebration of uh, Scandinavia's First Nations people and that started off as being a very small gathering of some Sami people and now it's a, it's a huge festival where First Nations people from right around the globe actually attend that festival and you can see just the, the pride that they they have the Sami people in wearing their traditional dress They are able to speak their own language. It's also a place where they can talk about politics because they're quite a political people as well. So there are a lot of similarities between First Nations people in Australia and the Sami people in Norway.
0: And that festival you just described, uh, for me, sounds a bit like uh, the Gama Festival.
1: Exactly, yeah, it was very, very similar to the Gama Festival. Uh, you know, the Gama Festival is a is a cultural festival as well as a place where, you know, First Nations people go to talk about political issues. So, um, yeah, very, very similar.
0: And uh, when it comes to influencing policies that affect them on a daily basis, uh, I gather you mentioned uh, the uh, achievements in uh, terms of uh, language. Are their languages uh, officially recognized and uh, used in, uh, yes, because previously yes, they were certainly. banned, but now are they used uh, in a daily basis in uh, an official capacity?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the Sami language is now the official second language of Norway, so it's officially recognized as a language there, and, and there are you know many people now who are speaking the Sami language, and you know, as um, you see in the documentary uh, there are um, you know, Sami uh, teachers speaking the language and teaching that to children so they can pass it on to, you know, to children and, and future generations so it's something that has been recognised in Norway and is uh, you know, really vibrant and, and uh, really alive and they're very very proud in, you know, that they're able to speak their own language now
0: yeah beside language and culture which uh, was uh, actually there was a cultural genocide uh, by preventing people to talk about to speak their language or practice their culture there's also with colonization come uh, land rights and uh, displacement of people and all that uh, how is the situation uh, in norway with uh, the first peoples there and uh, their lands yes that's a
1: good point um, bertrand they um while they're having huge success with the revitalisation of their language and culture, uh, they are struggling to be heard on the issue of uh, land rights. And, uh, and that's due to Norway's uh, shift towards green energy in that country. There's a, a number of controversial green energy projects being set up on Sami lands, and that's having huge um, impact on the uh, sami reindeer herders reindeer are very sacred to the sami people and and that's a tradition that they've practiced for thousands of years this uh, practice of reindeer herding now the big uh, renewable uh, energy companies are moving into norway and taking over a lot of sami land and we actually met a, a reindeer herder by the name of ray Ulf and he took us onto his land and there were over 60 wind turbines on his land and they're huge, great big things. And it's having an impact on him, uh, in terms of, you know, during the winter time, he's not able to take his reindeer up there to graze on that land because during winter time, uh, you know, as you can imagine, there's lots of snow and ice. The ice builds up on the windmill blades and, uh, then great big one kilogram chunks fly off those windmill blades at a speed of 200 Ks. If that was to, uh, you know, hit a person or a reindeer, or well, that will be the end of them; they'll die. So it's very, very dangerous to, you know, take his reindeer and to herd up there during the winter time. So he's been in a bit of a battle with a company to try and, you know, come to some sort of agreement whereby they turn off the windmills for a certain period of time during the winter time. But it's a bit of a stalemate happening there at the moment. But there was a big case whereby two reindeer herders uh, backed by the Sami parliament, took a green energy company to the Supreme Court and they actually won the case. And the Supreme Court ruled that it violated the cultural rights of the Sami because they weren't able to undertake their traditional custom of reindeer herding. That was in 2021. But unfortunately, um, the the windmills, well, they were were ordered to take the windmills down but they're still standing at this present time, and I believe the Norwegian government is trying to sort of work with that green energy company and the um, Sami reindeer herders to try and come to, you know, come to come to some sort of agreement where they can coexist.
0: To me, it sounds like there are parallels between what's happening in Norway and what we experience in Australia. With uh, whereas in Norway, it's uh, green energy companies encroaching on uh, indigenous people's lands. In Australia, it's more mining and uh, energy companies uh, uh, encroaching on uh, traditional owners' lands and uh, encroaching on their lands and impeding uh, on uh, their land.
1: Yes. Very much, yeah. It's a very similar situation to what we face here in Australia with, you know, um, mining companies taking control of Aboriginal land and, you know, setting up industry. You know, we saw what happened with Duke and Gorge, uh, the devastating, um, you know, impact there of of, um, blowing up those thousands of year old caves and um, mining companies need to talk to traditional owners about, the land and development and and um, ensure that, you know, no sacred areas are going to be, you know, disrupted or destroyed. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the Sami people, they're having huge um, battles with green energy companies at the moment. So, you know, while uh, moving towards, you know, they're trying to move towards net zero and green energy is a good thing, uh, but it's encroaching on their, infringing on their, you know, land and, and um, you know, violating the rights, their cultural rights, as reindeer herders, then there's a dilemma there.
0: Yeah. And how do you see the Norwegian experience from uh, our own uh, Indigenous voice uh, to parliament, referendum uh, and institutional changes?
1: It was really interesting to go to Norway and to examine what they're doing there, uh, you know, in terms of the, the Sami parliament. And they actually have... There's a Sami parliament in Sweden and in Finland as well. So we didn't get to uh, investigate their parliament. We basically focused on the Norwegian model. You know, there's no quick fixes. uh, There's no perfect models. They do have their challenges and they do have their critics as well. But what it does give them is a seat at that table, that decision-making table that they didn't have before. It gives them a voice in matters that affect them. And that's something that... First Nations people here are talking about in terms of, you know, the Indigenous voice to parliament, uh, the, you know, the Yes campaign are talking about, you know, that this, if the referendum is successful, this will give Indigenous people a seat at the decision-making table in uh, matters and, you know, policies and programs that affect them. It's interesting to examine what they're doing in Norway and, uh, you know, and sort of see whether that application, you know, will that model may be able to be applied here. Obviously, they've got their own parliament. We're not talking about having a separate parliament. Let's be clear about that. But we're talking about having an indigenous voice to parliament and to advise the government and the parliament on issues affecting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And I believe Marcia Langton and Tom Kalman did look at the Finland model when they were doing their, their report and their co-design process. So it's something to you know to consider.
0: I have to remind our listeners that the special episode of uh, Inside and Deadline that your guest presenting tonight on SBS at 9.30pm will simulcast as well on NITV and it will also be streaming on SBS On Demand. Carla Grant, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today.
1: Thanks very much for that, Bertrand. Thank you.